Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Such a pleasure to have you tune in again. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Michael Baird. He is the president of Customer Solutions at American Well. Prior to this, Mike was co-founder and CEO of Avizia. He launched Avizia in 2013 with the goal of improving access to telehealth by eliminating barriers to adoption for health systems and delivering on the triple aim of reducing costs, expanding the reach, and improving the quality of healthcare. American Well acquired Avizia in 2018, expanding the capabilities of the American Well platform in the acute space. Prior to American Well, Mike held senior positions leading strategy, marketing, and product development teams in Tanberg, Cisco, McKinsey and & Company, and Dell. In these roles, Mike used his passion for technology to solve complex problems and delight customers. Mike holds a, a Bachelor of Science in Accounting, cum laude, from Brigham Young University, and an MBA degree with distinction from Northwestern University here in my hometown of Chicago. So Mike, uh, with the, without any further ado, I want to just welcome you to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Saul. Happy to be here. So what is it that got you into healthcare? So most of my career has been in technology and not in healthcare. And I had a moment in, oh, it was probably 2010, 2011, where I was working at Cisco and got involved in some of these early telemedicine pilots using carts in the uh, emergency department to treat patients quicker. Mm -hmm. And I had this sort of revelation that, you know, as a guy that's been in technology for a long time, everyone wants to be a Google before it was Google, right? Because right. <laughs> by the time it's Google, all the gains have happened and it's, you know, a common technology and it's spread everywhere. But you want to be there before it's happened. And I felt like, wow, this is a technology that is going to absolutely transform lives and the way that we get care. And from that point, I felt like I, I had no choice but to jump in. And that really, it, it was almost that that technology draw of a way to dramatically change people's lives that pulled me into healthcare. And then once you're in, you stay because you get the benefit not only of working on fantastic technology, but improving people's lives. And that, that, that one-two punch, that combination is unlike any industry I've ever worked in. Yeah, I agree, Mike. It's, it's invigorating to be able to have that, that impact. And so you saw it, you, you looked ahead, and it was a no-brainer for you. You jumped headfirst. You and is that when you started Avizia? Yeah, eventually it led to Avizia. So okay. for a couple of years, I, I ran the healthcare collaboration teams within Cisco. Mm -hmm. Started building some of these products to to serve hospitals, and as it started to grow, I felt like it, it was something that could grow a lot faster with a dedicated focus. And so, kind of came to a, a mutual understanding with Cisco, and, and they actually helped and encouraged me uh, to spin out my team and start Avizia. And that, that cool. was the, the beginning of, of my journey uh, in 2013. And sort of over the next five or six years, we, we went from kind of uh, starting at zero to uh, being in 1,300 hospitals and you know, doing hundreds of thousands of telemedicine consults and saving lives. And it was just an exhilarating journey. Yeah. And I think that's the right word, Mike. And, and, you know, I just, gosh, I mean, just pause here for a second and say incredible work, you know, for the people listening to the podcast, they're, they're knee deep 
neck deep <laughs> in, in either trying to implement solutions as a provider or a solution provider wanting to help a health system or even just from the payer aspect. But the scale that you guys achieved in such a little time is worth of recognition. What, what was the secret sauce, if there was one, that helped you scale like that? <laughs> Thank you for that, by the way. Uh, it was probably naivete in many respects. <laughs> I think one of the great things about transforming it. healthcare and not necessarily being a citizen of the healthcare industry is I didn't have any idea what mm-hmm. the regulatory environment was like, what the challenges were like, how you know the payment cycles go in healthcare. And in many ways, that lack of, of background was actually our greatest strength because we didn't know the things that couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we sort of dove in and tried to figure it out. And in many respects, I think we've seen that in other innovative companies in healthcare, that when technologists kind of uh, coincide with healthcare and sort of have those collisions and come in, they don't come in with necessarily the burdens or the background of the healthcare regulatory environment, which is which is very difficult. Uh, and look, you have to learn it. And I think the best companies come out of partnerships between you know, technologists and clinicians that can do both, right? Because obviously right. you have to be in line with the regulatory environment and the payment environment and reimbursement and things of that nature. But you need that innovative kick to get it going and then uh, a little bit of the, the grounding of reality that comes from the clinical side. But mm-hmm. combined, we see great innovation. And, and I great. think, uh, you know, coming from either side, it probably wouldn't happen on its own. It really is in partnership. I love that. No, that's great. And appreciate you sharing that with us. And, and, you know, just obviously today, folks, we're talking about telemedicine, virtual care, fill, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mike and I had a good discussion before recording. Uh, the point is what you deliver. So on the topic of, of telehealth, Mike, what is it that you guys are doing to, to, that's different? And how are you improving outcomes and, and business models? There's so many answers to that question that I could go into. But in short, the way American Well has come at this market is we're trying to provide a broad swath of the healthcare ecosystem access to technology to improve improve patients' lives. And I say broad because we play in the health plan space. You know, we work with dozens and dozens of plans uh, covering, you know, 150 million lives in America. We work in the health system space. Uh, we're in over 2,400 hospitals at this point. We work with thousands and thousands of employers. And so we're, we're playing in a very broad spectrum of the healthcare economy, uh, including you know, digital innovators like Apple and others that we, that we partner with. But we bring that technology that lets them transform their day-to-day processes into something that can be more efficient, more on-demand, and get patients access to care quicker. And so ultimately, we bring a brokerage engine, right? Our job is to match a patient with the right provider at that point in time. And and the right provider obviously has to be credentialed and licensed, and uh, they have to have the right skill set for that patient. But if we can do that well, we can transform healthcare. Love that. And so... I um so you guys are working on your end on the acute side. What's the other side of American Well? What's that focus? Yeah, we do more consumer video visits than any telehealth company uh, in the country today. It's very much about making that beautiful smartphone in your pocket yes. into a virtual waiting room hmm. and that ability to see a doctor instantly. And so at American Well, we kind of have two product portfolios. One is very focused on the clinical side 
within the four walls of a hospital or a clinic or a nursing home or a school using devices and, and, and aggregating data to, to do more acute leaning consultations, right? It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be neurology, right? It can be pediatrics as well. And then the other side would be more consumer centric where, you know, I have five kids, so I interact with the healthcare system pretty regularly. Congrats. <laughs> and so when it's three <laughs> in the morning and my daughter has a sore throat, the fact that I can be talking to a doctor immediately is fantastic. And, but, but those are very different worlds in many respects. The, the way you find the right doctor, the way you deal with licensing, the, the specialties that you need in play are a little bit different. And so we focus our efforts along those two thrusts, the clinical and the it. consumer. I love it. Thank you for, for that clarification. It's so clear. And for those of you listening that didn't know that, now you know the split. They're doing incredible work, American Well, in the telehealth space setting the example for the way things should be done. What would you say is a setback that you had, Mike, whether it be at Avizia or, or American Well, that you, you would say you attribute to a lot of your success today? Yeah, that's a, that's a great one because as an entrepreneur, you, you can't help but fail. <laughs> right. And we fail a lot. And, and because I'm kind of a product guy, I tend to go to product themes where you know we pick the wrong software module and, and some of our code, you know, cause we, you know, uh, we'll use uh, best of breed you know, code for different things uh, like device drivers and things of that nature, or we pick the wrong monitor or we picked, you know, some process that we did in a way that made sense to us, but then it didn't make sense to the provider, you know, uh, the, the way the user interface works, for example, there are so many of those that I, I, I couldn't name them, but I think the reason that it was helpful and this is a theme I talk about a lot in terms of innovation, is it brought us down the experience curve. And in effect, you know, for example, we launched uh, one of our carts a couple of years ago. And the initial, you know, when you do video today, there are hundreds of different video modules you can use on a device. And the first version that we did used a video module that just didn't work very well in hospital systems. You know, it was great for your smartphone, but it wasn't really good for devices and being able to send, you know, stethoscope data, for example, or an examination cameras. And so we tried a second one and we spent six months on the second one. And then it didn't really meet all the needs that we had. And we wanted to do some fancy things with the camera and the way we tracked had a, a physician that was remote move that camera around the room. And so we had to move to a third one. And on the one hand, we could look at that and say, wow, we wasted 12 months trying three different video technologies. But on the other hand, I think, wow, we moved down that experience curve. Yeah. And until my competitors or others try that, they're actually behind me because that's a lesson that we learned. And we now know when we evaluate new technologies, things to look for, right? Does this give me the flexibility Absolutely. to do what I need to do? And, and can I customize this to work in a healthcare environment? Because healthcare is very, very different, right? There, there are certain requirements that I have to have. And so if anything, we try really hard to sort of embrace that concept of failure, but instead make it, how do we fail faster? Yeah. <laughs> because the lesson for me was, well, how could I have made that first iteration three months instead of six months? And so we try to focus on that, but we've gotten better at that. You know, when I look at where we are today, and we've got over 600 people at American Well, back in the days when Avizia was 10, it took a long time to invest in the technology and get to one of those failure points. And now... We can do neat things to make that happen quicker. We've got, you know, five 3D printers in the lab that are cranking out sample parts that we can try out and do rapid innovation quickly. And if it doesn't work, great. We learn in a week. It's really fun. And you can do things like that in software testing as well. And so some of those themes, I think not being afraid of failure is super helpful because it helps you become more resilient over time. 
love that. It's a it's a great call out. And and would you say the same thing goes for the adoption of this technology, not just the creation of it, but the adoption, this experience curve. It's like people want to wait till yeah. it's easy. <laughs> people want to wait. It's interesting. We do a lot of data uh, mm-hmm. analytics on this of, of the industry and of consumers. And it's something like 66% of consumers are willing to use telehealth, but only eight have actually tried it. And yeah, by the way, right. that's way more than when we asked that question four years ago, it was like huh. 2%. <laughs> and then two, two years ago, it was like 5%. So, you know, it's slowly moving up. They're willing, but they haven't done it. So that's the consumer side. And, and consumers will tell us a quarter of consumers are willing to switch their PCP if their PCP had video visits. We hear things like seniors, something like 70 plus percent of seniors are willing to try telehealth. And you wouldn't think that, right? We always think that video yeah. and technology is the millennial thing. So if the demand is there, well, we have to create the supply. And so the challenge that I see with health systems is they get stuck in this rut of, the problem isn't solved, so we shouldn't even try, right? We don't, we haven't, you know, reimbursement's not perfect yet. You know, we're not truly shifted to a, a value-based care system yet. You know, when all those things are great, then we'll try it. Well, just like my example of video technologies, they're not moving down the experience curve. And so we've seen customers that have jumped in and it's sort of the classic innovator's dilemma where you almost have to cannibalize yourself. Right. If we all accept the, the notion that in five years or 10 years or pick a number, at some point in the future, I think we all believe that the majority or, or some large number of physician visits will be virtual in some form or another. So if we know what's going to get there, do I want to be the last person there or do I want to be the first person there? And while that may disrupt the way we do things today, I've got to start going down that path now. And you know, we've seen some of our customers jump in and do that and have phenomenal results that they couldn't have anticipated that give them return on investment of some sort long before reimbursement exists or before there's that full shift to value. And, and so my encouragement for health systems would be to start jumping down that curve now. Uh, and there are concrete things you got to do to make that happen. Mike, and I, and I really like your, your idea here. You know, this, this idea that, sure, maybe the reimbursement pathway is not fully established. But if we, if we take a look at anything in the market, if you're able to add value, there's a way for you to monetize it <laughs> by way of either returning sure. patients or, or you fill in the blank, right? Uh, well, let, let me give you an example of that. Sure, so we have I'd love to hear one. That, that's jumped in all in on telehealth. You know, they have uh, over 20 different service lines that are telehealth enabled. And they found that they have high throughput issues in their ED. And so they basically created a room off to the side of the ED. So when you show up in the ED uh, and it's, you know, a 45 minute wait, they say, well, hey, if you want, you can come in this room and see a doctor virtually right now. Now, of course, that doesn't work for every use case. If my sure. arm is sort of dangling <laughs> from right. a socket, that's right. not where I want to go. Limitations. But there are a lot of use cases uh, that that works for. And they've seen a 50% decrease in door to evaluation time and a 70% increase in door to discharge time because of that. So now you're correct that today, depending on that state and the patchwork of regulations they have, I don't know if they get a $50 reimbursement or not. But as a system, if I can reduce uh, the wait times in my ED by 50%, on some level, that's going to have an impact on my business. Customers and patients are going to be much happier 
they're going to get access to care quicker, that we're going to get the, the right patients to the right doctor uh, in a much more efficient manner. And so those are fantastic savings. And so this particular health system that's, that's doubled down on that is getting a return on investment long before anyone else. And not only that, they're getting better and better at how to deploy video. And so someday when it's perfectly reimbursed and there's literally no difference between the two, and, and we're getting closer to that all the time, they will be so much further ahead because they were willing to sort of take their lumps now and start learning. And I think that's one of the challenges we see is health systems get a little bit overwhelmed by the regulatory environment and they're afraid to do more than dip their toe in. And, and I would argue they actually have to jump all in to start figuring that out now. Love it. It's a great example, Mike. So I asked you about a setback and, and you gave a, a wonderful uh, description of how you guys innovate products. I love that you took us to inside of your lab where you have 3D printers. Didn't know that a lot of the innovation happened within the walls of your business. So that's pretty cool. Take us to the other side of that coin, Mike. What's one of the proudest leadership experiences you've had in telemedicine, telehealth? I appreciate you asking that. It, it's actually almost, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> it's hard mm -hmm. not to get emotional when I think about some of these events, and I've seen many of them. But one that I'll never forget, we partnered with Dallas Children's uh, Hospital. And Dallas Children's has this really great program where they partner with the Dallas Independent School District to help augment school nurses with pediatric coverage. It's a fantastic example. And in mm -hmm. many cases, what you'll find in some of these schools is that a kid will come to the school nurse who has no PCP. <laughs> They're not right. getting regular care. And in one particular example, and they shared us you know, pictures of this kid, a kid showed up at the school nurse with this massive lump on his head. Wow. And they were talking to a pediatrician. And in the course of that video console, the pediatrician correctly identified you know, this kid had a malignant tumor and cancer. And within 24 hours, got them into the ED, uh, got them working through cancer care, ultimately saved this child's life. And to me, those examples are, they're almost impossible to replicate in other technology industries. And it's why I love being in healthcare is the fact that our team created a technology that literally is saving someone's life. You know, we do thousands upon thousands of stroke consults every year where you change the outcome of someone's life in, in a moment because this technology is available. And, and that will always be what makes me proud about being affiliated with American Well is, is the impact we have on patients' lives. I mean, you, you almost, we can't do this for free, but you almost wish you could do it for free. Right. <laughs> you know, we need money to drive innovation and do great things. But for the public good, I honestly wish we could just give this stuff away because it, it absolutely changes patients' lives. Well, it's a great story, Mike. And, and I agree with you there too. You know, without margin, there's no mission. And you guys are adding a lot of value. And just thinking through that scenario with that child and the tumor and all of the other stories in this country that, you know, are impacted with the, the social determinants of, of health and the power that telemedicine could have on that is, is I think, just tremendous. Yeah. So you Absolutely. guys are doing awesome work uh, there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so love that story, Mike. Tell us about one of the most exciting projects you're working on today. <laughs> so 
I'm going to phrase this by, it's not going to sound exciting, but it's exciting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we, we were recently honored to be one of the first telehealth vendors to get some of our apps published in the Epic App Store. Oh, nice. And so EHR is rarely something that someone brings up as something exciting. <laughs> but, right. But the reason I'm excited, I've been in telehealth for almost a decade now. And for a long time, it's been kind of an us versus them. EHR providers want to promise the moon. They're going to do everything under the sun for you to help justify the astronomical price tag and all those things. And in the last two or three years, we've seen a massive change in the majority of the, the, the EHR providers are giving ways to collaborate and integrate and work together with technology partners. And so we're investing a lot in that EHR experience. And I'll tell you why. Telehealth usually starts with a clinical leader. This is a, a champion who, in that pediatric example earlier, they see the impact they can make and they just by force of personality can get a grant and they get some people around them, and they start a program. And that's great. But generally speaking, those programs are very limited in scale. They help, you know, 100 patients a year and it's really driven by one provider. Right. To truly change healthcare and get to the point where my dream is fulfilled, where, you know, virtual visits double in person visits. <laughs> you have to get to all providers. And what we found is that where there will always be some group of providers that use telehealth multiple times a day, and they're willing to figure out new technologies and log into new systems and, and, and really push that innovation curve. But the reality is most providers, nurses, clinicians, physicians, whatever it may be, they got really busy jobs. <laughs> they have right. lots of documentation they have to do. They're very busy. And so in many ways, the easier that we can make it for them, and, and incorporate it deep within their workflow so it's literally just a button that they can click in the middle of their Cerner session or their EMR session or you know, their Epic session. That makes it so much easier for them to adopt it. And so I'm excited because that, to me, is the ticket to having 100% of physicians right. using this. And even if you know 90 of them only do one visit a week versus the 10 that do 100 visits a week, that's ultimately what will make the industry explode. And so that's something that, again, people don't typically say, I'm super excited about the work I'm doing on my EHR today. That's something I'm really excited about. And I'm grateful for the partnership of the leading EHRs in this country that we're working very closely with to make that a reality because it's helping telehealth be more pervasive. Love it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's an access point, right? I mean, that's the bottom line. If you could get through that access point it, it becomes a little less cumbersome and extra work for the providers. That's exactly right. Great. And, and congratulations on that. It's not easy, but you guys, uh, once again, are proving that there's a way to get it done. And, and I love that early on, you said it's that naivete. It's good to keep that alive, Mike. <laughs> keep it going. <laughs> I know you're in it 10 years now, but you still got a dose of it. I never let something that I don't know stop me from jumping in, uh, sometimes to uh, personal harm or injury, but uh, we can't be afraid to try things out. I love that. No, it's a great quality. I love that about you. And so getting to the lightning round here, I got a couple questions followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready, Mike? I am. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think it's always about aligning incentives. So in that example I gave earlier, these doctors get bonuses to do telehealth visits. So even if reimbursement isn't set up today, I take that worry away from them and they have a way, a reason to do it. And so if we're really going to be serious about making progress on these things, we've got to open up those channels to make it happen. 
What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? I see this often in health systems where they struggle with best of breed versus enterprise. So best of breed means for whatever technology I have, I'm going to go find the absolute best vendor for every single uh, use case. And that's a great theory, and it works really well on the early end of markets. Mm-hmm. But what you find on the other end is that you end up with 100 different vendors in a health system, zero collaboration between them, and zero gains across different departments and things of that nature. A great example would be there's thousands of bankrupt EMRs. It really wouldn't do us that good in a hospital to have 50 EMRs. We have enough challenges with one, right. but there's benefits by bringing that data together. And I think as technologies grow, when they're, when they're early, best of breed makes a lot of sense. As they grow, you need enterprise uh, vendors. They scale better. They understand the interconnectivity of a, of a health system better. And I think that's a mistake that often gets made because you've got a passionate individual that wants what's best for them as opposed to a strategy that makes the most sense for the enterprise at large. That's a really great point. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? So I love Andy Grove's quote from Intel. Uh, He said, only the paranoid survive. And the reality is, uh, and this is the classic innovator's dilemma, you always have to be innovating nonstop. You always have to be learning from your customers, seeing the challenges that that they have, because when you finally come with a solution that's good enough for the problem of yesterday, something new is going to come up today. And so for me, I don't think that I'm the guy that's going to come up with all those solutions by myself. I find them from talking to customers, providers, clinicians, physicians, whoever, you know, nurses, they have fantastic ideas on how to transform healthcare. They're doing this every single day. They repeat the motions over and over and over again, and they'll, they'll come up with some of the most amazing insights. And so I always want to be worried about technologies that can disrupt me. And the way that I find them is by talking with folks that are in the business every single day, uh, helping people. Great advice. Something to think about as as you build your own technologies, you can't rest. It's that only the paranoid survive. I love that. Um, what's, what's, what's an area of focus, Mike, that drives everything at American Law? Ultimately, I'll call it quality, but it's more than just quality. Mm-hmm. We, uh, as I said, there's a naivete and we want to jump in and we want to try things and innovate. But we always have to remember that at the end of the day, this is about a patient's life. This is about real healthcare. And for us, it's not always just a quick visit on my smartphone, right? We do neurological consults while a patient is in the middle or immediately after a stroke. And so we have to remember that whatever we do has to advance the health and safety of that patient. And we take that very, very seriously, not only from a protecting that patient's life, but as a steward of the industry, telehealth won't grow or expand if we're negligent and if we don't do the right things. And so this is something that we, uh, we take to heart and, and think about our patients every day as we're innovating products. Love that. It's a great true north and definitely something that drives a lot of the listeners here. So out of all the books, which one would you say, listeners, you have to read this? There's so many great books. It's hard to pick one, but one I like to share because it's just a little bit different. It's called Endurance, Shackleton's Incredible Voyage by Alfred Lansing. And it's about Ernest Shackleton, who was one of, in the great explorer era of the early 1900s, and people were all trying to get to new first. Ernest Shackleton was trying to cross, uh, be one of the first people to cross Antarctica. 
And But unfortunately, they took their boat, and as they got there, uh, they kind of got off the coast of Antarctica. The ice crushed their boat, and it sunk. Wow. So imagine if you were there with 15 men standing on an iceberg in 1910 or whenever this was, and you don't have the technology of today. How are you going to survive? And he did, not only did survive and save the lives of all of his men, but the innovation and the creativity and the leadership that comes from those hard situations is something that motivates me personally, because as an innovator, it's hard, right? Solutions don't always work. Yeah. Customers don't always buy. <laughs> Decisions yeah. don't always pan out the way that you wanted them to. And I found a lot of great insight from watching this group of men and how they interacted as a team to overcome one of the most phenomenal human challenges ever uh, seen uh, at that point in time. The best part about the book is there's a lot of pictures and there's nothing oh, is like there really? the pictures of, of what it would be like to literally watch your ship sink while you're standing on a piece of ice so, <laughs> like hundreds so, of thousands of miles away from people. Mike, are these actual pictures or just illustrations? Yeah. They're... These are actual pictures. Wow. They had a photographer that just despite trying to survive, took oh the effort God. to save these photographs. And it's, uh, it's just human achievement is one of those great things that inspires us all. Yeah, no, for sure. And I got goosebumps with your trailer, one that I'm going to pick up, Mike. So I appreciate the recommendation, folks. You pick it up too. It sounds like a really awesome book to help inspire your team, keep innovation going where you're at. But at the end of the day, the call to action here, folks, is get into the experience curve. You have to start now because if you don't, you're going to get left behind. And and Mike's provided such a great just reference on stories and customers that have had success with it. But I want to hear from you, Mike. Give us a closing thought and the best place where the listeners could engage with you if they want to continue the conversation. Yeah. I mean, the closing thought is the recurring theme here. And it's at the end of the day, we're all stakeholders in healthcare and we can't be afraid to try, right? It's really easy. And I think too often in healthcare, we think of all the reasons not to, right? I've got liability concerns, regulatory concerns, cost concerns, there's you know political hurdles or whatever it may be. And what inspires me are the brave clinicians and nurses and physicians that try. They want to make the industry better and they jump in and they figure it out as they go. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my, my goal and my challenge to everyone in the industry is to think of one thing that you can change in healthcare and start to do it. Because, you know, when you fast forward, and if you're so lucky to have your innovations be accepted and to work out as I have been in my career, there's nothing more rewarding than looking back and seeing the impact of what you've done, seeing that you've touched hundreds of thousands of lives. And that only happens when someone's willing to try. And so that's my push for everyone is to to give it a go and, and try something new. Love it. What a great message. And Mike, if the listeners want to continue the conversation with you or American Well, where do they do that? Yeah. So you can always go to www.americanwell.com and and plenty of folks will swarm to you to answer your questions, (laughs) but you can also reach me at Mike at americanwell.com. I'm I'm always available. I love to hear from customers and I love to learn ways that we can improve. Love it, Mike. Really appreciate your time here, sir. And thanks for sharing your insights. It's been fun. Thanks, Saul. Great to be with you today. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more. 